podcast of 2014 with me phil and me paul and you can tell paul's ill it's his turn to be ill this week i rendered out the i rendered out 2013 being ill <laughs> and you started off 2014 being ill fantastic yeah it's great yeah this, this could also be the last podcast of 2014 <laughs> <laughs> with me anyway <laughs> right okay well this week then um as we said we, we wanted to kick off 2014 with a with a with a bang um, and do something sort of really, really good and really special. We thought, well, sod that, we'll, we'll do a target novelisation review of The Twin Dilemma instead. Yes. So, yeah, so that... <laughs> if I wasn't ill enough, I then had to <laughs> force myself to read this. So, yes, that's, that's to come later on. But first, a little bit of news. And it really is just a little bit of news this week. There isn't a lot going on. Um First thing, really, Gareth Roberts is confirmed uh, he's going to be writing a couple of episodes for Series 8. Yes. Yeah. Um, everyone seems to be really excited about this. Um, and they say, oh, this is going to mean, mean the return of, uh, was it Craig? Oh, was yeah. it Owens, was that his name? Yeah. I'll just say Craig, that was his first yeah. name. Um, I, I must admit, I am the least excited person about this. Well, I'm mean, not saying that, but I mean, he also wrote Planet of the Dead, so it could be a return to that sort of story. Oh God! I think I, I'm sorry. I, I really don't know what the fuss is about his writing. I think he's been great for things like Sarah Jane Adventures, but for Doctor Who, I, I find these stories incredibly childish and very, very one note. And I'm not looking forward to this at all. Yeah, but it's sort of interesting to see how Capaldi's character is going to handle that. You could sort of see Smith's Doctor in those stories. Well, I hope he writes something... Because he was quite childish He was, times. yeah. I hope he writes something different, because I, as I said, yeah. I think I think I do find Gareth Roberts' stories very, very one-note. And it's all, and I really hope that the Craig Owen character doesn't... Or if that's what his name is. Um, I hope that, that, character, that character doesn't come back. Because right. if he does come back for a third time, it really does mean that he has run out of ideas if he keeps bringing that one back. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think that's just a lot of people have put two and two together there, I hope. Hopefully. Hopefully. Because I'm not Gareth Roberts' biggest fan. I've got to be honest. I really am not. Uh, I don't like to start off the year on a downer, but you know that 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 is. Um, I'm sort of very sort of concerned that he's come back. Really, very concerned. But he joins um, other confirmed writers, which of Stephen Moffat, obviously, Mark Gatiss, I would say, obviously, and Neil Cross. Yeah. As well, uh, <coughs> who again last. Oh, there we go. The first sign of dying. Um, he's. I thought Neil Cross was last season was hit and miss, wasn't he? I mean, he had the Rings of Ackerton, which was utter tripe. But then he did Hyde. Yeah, or, or, or rather, he did Hyde, and then and the then, Rings of Ackerton, and then yeah. quickly did the Rings of Ackerton. Yes. So. Yeah, indeed. So I hope he's going to sort of forgive him for that one because it was just we didn't know the circumstances to that. No, that's it. That's it. Everyone just saw that. That's his first story. It's rubbish. Well, it actually was his second one, wasn't it? So yeah. And written under pressure. Yeah. The one which he was actually commissioned to write, first of all, yeah, was good. Exactly. At least I think we thought well, it was. Well, we thought it was good, yes. Yeah. And that, that, that had its critics as well, didn't it? So. Yeah. Never mind, never mind. Now, uh, a bit of DVD news now. Now, there's a DVD coming out uh, called The Best of the Doctor, 
Um, and it's getting a three-disc uh, Region 4 release in early January. Yeah. Um, and basically it consists of all the BBC America documentaries, which is all like, they're all best ofs, basically, aren't they? So you've got um, Best of the Doctor, Best of the Monsters, Best of the Companions, Best of the Christmas Specials, uh, The Science of Doctor Who, The Wound of Doctor Who, The Timey Wimey of Doctor Who, The Destinations of Doctor Who, and Doctor Who in America. Yeah, that's sort of had that we've run out of titles for Doctor Who. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> now it says that each of the specials uh, duration is around forty-five minutes. So, and it, but and obviously, uh, being this sort of release, it only covers Chris Eccleston, David Tennant, and Matt Smith. Yeah. So it's not really the best of the Doctor, really, is it? Because there's a lot more that come before it, but which does kind of annoy me with these type of DVD releases because it doesn't cover the entire history, does it? When you say the best of the Doctor. Well, from 2005 onwards, it should say in brackets. Yeah, it's celebrating the 8th anniversary, isn't it? It is, yeah, exactly. Which BBC Three have done all last year, basically, yeah. 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 <laughs> now, apparently this could be um, available to order online from someone called jbhifi.com.au. Uh, right. So, obviously, Region 4 being, it's, it's down in Australia. <laughs> and, um, oh, he's dying again. Um, and New Zealand. And that is available for $34.98. That's $34 Australian dollars, 98 cents. Yeah. So, there we go. I don't know what that, if that's cheap or, or expensive. I've got no idea. Really, in, no. in, in Australian terms, I've got absolutely no no idea at all. But, uh, but anyway, talking of Australia, the next piece of news, there's a thing called the Who Universe The Doctor Is In event. It's going to be in um, Australia, uh, starting March the 1st in Sydney, and Matt Smith and Karen Gillan have been confirmed that they're going to take part in a, in a special tour around the country. That's interesting. Yes. So, um, as I said, it starts off in Sydney on March the 1st, uh, then in Perth on March the 2nd, Adelaide in March the 8th, and then Melbourne in on, sorry, I should say, March the 9th. And there's additional guests, as well as venues and ticket info, will be announced mid-January from the Hubs website. And that's the, uh, the, the company that's uh, putting this little tour on. They're called the Hub Productions. Hmm. That's interesting. I don't, yeah. know, what, I don't know what this is uh, in aid of, I'm sure. There seems to be quite a lot of Australia getting into it, haven't they, really? So, well, you've got Peter Davison's down there, isn't he? For yes, as we mentioned. The symphonic or, stuff. Was that a couple of weeks ago now, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know what... I mean, Australia's all, I've always sort of kept the flame burning for Doctor Who anyway, because they've, I think they, they repeated it a lot more than what you have done over here. Yeah. For certain... So yeah, as I say, I don't know what the what the points it was, and I, obviously, oh, it's it's great great that they're both doing it. And it's actually good to see that neither of them have actually sort of turned their backs completely on Doctor Who just yet. No, you usually find they do, and they just leave the role. They just want to sort of distance themselves a little bit. But I think it's great that they're just sort of still embracing it. Well, at least you get a period where they want to get away from it, and then they come back about four or five years later. Yeah, that's it. But this is really soon for the pair of them. So, yeah. Unless they're contractually obliged or something. I wouldn't have thought so, not now. Who knows? Unless it's something they signed up to that's, about three years ago. I was going to say, that's some contract, <laughs> aren't it? So you leave a year earlier, and then you're still being forced to come back and do stuff. <laughs> I'm contractually obliged not to promote anything either, because there's nothing new coming out with you in it. No, exactly. Um, I can understand if, if there were still episodes that they was in that were still to be shown there. No, absolutely nothing, is it? That's, that's weird, isn't it? That is weird. So um, so if we get any more news on that one, we'll, we'll bring that one to you um, 
as as it comes in. Now, uh, finally, in this bit of news, uh, Tom Baker released the New Year's message. Uh, did you get a chance to read it? I did, oh, yeah. You did. I thought it was quite a nice, um, nice little message. Actually, it was all about sort of, sort of really him coming back to the day of the Doctor, and it seems that um, nothing's really changed with with Tom Baker, is it? Because he's no. he, he sat there feeling rather rather depressed because he didn't know anybody there, and but he said once sort of Matt Swift turned up, he he, he felt you know like, like like he used to. Yeah, yeah. Because no one was talking to him. He sat in this sort of little trailer on his own. It was it was dark and damp, and they but they told it be no more than what was it half hours work, and he was still there later on that night when he four so, hours or something. Yeah, like that's, that's it. But, but then uh, and I suspect that's his own reputation as um. Gone against him there because everyone's too frightened to go to him. Do you know what? I think you're absolutely right. I think everyone because he can be a bit sort of prickly. Yeah, um, I, mean, I suspect everyone was told, "Don't bother, Mister Baker." Yeah, he's probably said, "Why won't anyone talk to me?" It does make you wonder if after a lot of actors around the world that this sort of reputation precedes them. I know some of them do carry that reputation and act like utter asses in front of people, but. Um, you do get these other people say, "Oh no, don't, don't, don't speak to him. Don't even look him in the eye." You know, yeah. all the time they're thinking, "Why would anyone talk to me?" And I think this this is one of those cases, wasn't it? But, yeah. um, but he says when he attended the 50th anniversary celebration at the Excel Centre, and he said it, it was tumult. The fans cheered as if I'd come back from the dead, and the cheering did the trick. I travelled back in time. It was wonderful. I enjoyed it all. So I'm glad he did. Yeah. Really, I'm glad he did enjoy it because. Um, I mean, he's knocking on a bit now, and to do and to do that, it's a, it was a long day. I, could, I would imagine for someone of his age, it was a long day for us, wasn't it? So. Yeah, for some of the people, for people of our age. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah so that was. Um, no, I'm glad. I'm glad he sort of enjoyed it, and he's talked about doing more, um, doing more big finish this year as well. Yeah, which is good news for everybody. I feel, and we still haven't listened to any big finish of his yet, have we? No, we still haven't. So we have, we have to we have to put that right. Anyway, now is the time. For the first edition of in 2014 of Omega's Tat Corner. You pester me with trinkets! And we have one item of tap for you uh, to kick off the year. And actually, I don't mind this one, to be honest. Um, it's an eighth of hearts. This is called the Eighth of Hearts Doctor Who T-shirt. Yeah. Um, I actually quite like this. This is all right, actually. Actually, I quite like it. It's available for a company called uh, T-Fury. Um, it's designed by Winter Artwork, and it's available for eleven dollars plus shipping. Uh, now, I haven't actually clicked on it to see where it's. I'm assuming it's uh, an American site. It's just, uh, yes, it's tfury.com. It's American. Um, yes, I actually quite, um, actually quite like this. Actually, it's in the style of. I can put it like the Queen of Hearts on a on a on a, on a deck of cards. Yes. So basically, you've got like the uh, Paul McGann and his. Um, how can I put it? Not, not in the Night of the Doctor costume, his original costume. Um, with like a task behind him. And he's holding a sonic screwdriver. Uh, it's got an eight at the top and two hearts underneath it, which forms the shape of the the, uh, of the screwdriver. So might sort of pop that up on the Facebook group later on, actually. Might do that tomorrow. But, um, yeah, I, I like that, actually. I do it's that. not too bad. It's not too bad. As um, tat T-shirts go, that's actually quite um, re- reasonably stylish. I think you'll find. And, it's, and it says to you get an eight... I'll bow to your better fashion job. <laughs> well, you know, as I'm sort of you know, mid-40s now, and um, well, we both are, and you, as, as we know, fashion desserts you, doesn't it? <laughs> I was going to say, did they do a cardy one in there? 
<laughs> Did the eighth of heart slippers as well. Yes. And a pipe. <laughs> and a nice mug that I can have my Horlicks in as well, actually, please. Nice milky drink before I go to bed, lovely. Um, now, it says that you get an eighth of hearts playing card with every order as well. So, yeah, I, I think that's actually quite a, a quite nice bit of tat to kick the ear off, I, I feel. It's only because we couldn't find anything else, really. <laughs> Not any bad tat. I think this time of year it's going to be very, very quiet. Yeah, they, they've sort of excelled themselves in the run-up, haven't they? They have indeed, they have indeed. There's not even any sort of uh, pump news either, is there, to kick off the year? No. No, no. <laughs> I, saw that, I think that was our best bit of tap from last year, actually, was the pump news. Uh, you know, if you don't know what we're talking about, listen to a few podcasts back for that one. Okay, then, that's it for the news uh, for this week. So, coming up very, very shortly is our review of the target novelisation of The Twin Dilemma. So for another week then, that was the news. Right everyone, it's our first review of the year and as I said at the top of the show, we are doing this week a review of the target novelisation of The Twin Dilemma and probably one of the least regarded stories in Doctor Who's history. Uh, So we we thought we'd see whether the target novelisation addresses any of those issues. Uh, that fans had with the TV version. So, Paul, what did you think of this little, this little very, very short book, actually, wasn't it, for a start? It was. And the question of does it address the, the issues raised by the story, mm. as in it just sort of tries to ignore the story as much as it can, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it does, doesn't it? Um, I think it's worth, worth saying that this, the, the novelisation is written by Eric Saywood. Uh, yes. the, the original writer was Anthony Stephen. Uh, for the TV version, and um, I suppose we could say Eric Saywood just works his Saywoodness into it, doesn't he? Well, he just seems to decide which characters he wants to talk about, mm. and if they didn't really affect, well, they weren't really part of the plot, then he didn't really care because he was going to go his own way. Yeah, it's one of the first books of this where I sort of almost read the first chapter open mouthed because <laughs> <laughs> you sort of thought, "Oh, right." Okay, is, is this is this the same book? Is this the story? What am I reading here? Yeah, because um, how, how can we say about so? Because as usual, I think everyone knows with Eric Saywood's stories that he wrote for um, for the TV show, they are incredibly violent. Yes, and he succeeds in this as well. Actually, doesn't he? Well, yeah, in, this, in what is quite a a, a a reasonably quiet story in the fact that you don't actually get that much action in this story on, in, the, in the TV you end up getting the bits of backstory are very dark yeah um, I, mean, I, yeah, well, I was going to say in this because he, he makes out the, 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 the twins uh, Romulus and Remus the, the twins of the title uh, he makes therefore he, their father in the book is a drunk basically isn't he um, well to a certain extent he's it says that everybody's a drunk in the future, in, in, in his future anyway. Yes, yes, particularly, yes. It does seem to be that there's a... I mean, I, I was quite pleased to see that uh, being fat is chic in the future. Quite, <laughs> that did uh, please me no end, but that's about the only bit that did, I think. Yes, fat is chic. Um, there's this whole other little subplot of the father. I, um, was it, I, again, I, to me, it wasn't that clear. He seems to be having an affair with someone, and the husband... Turns up and beats it, threatens to beat him up, and other than he pays him off. Yeah, um, just wow. (laughs) 
Oh no! I need this is the backstory. The back and the backs of the father as well. I mean, obviously there is going to be massive spoilers in in this. And and to be honest, I think when you reach the end of this, you you won't want to read it anyway. Um, but but we'll we'll, we'll just warn you there are going to be spoilers. Yeah, but I mean, basically the the whole thing that the the father, Sylvester, or or Archie Sylvester, he's called in the book, isn't it? Mm. He's absolutely petrified of the twins. Yes. And and seems to be spending all his time plotting how to kill them. Yes, so that's what Eric Sauer thought was to improve this story was infant side. <laughs> yes, and and brings in a brings in a psychologist, psychiatrist, yeah. who um, encourages him to do it. Yes, it, oh, it, it's so it's bizarre. It's really bizarre. Yeah, as, as a recent father of twins, do you have any of these feelings? Do you want to talk about them now? <laughs> Do you know what? I've never harboured any desires of of that nature at all. Uh, it's peculiar, my lord. My lord, yes. <laughs> yeah, that's um. Yeah, no, that that is that is just. I just found that that particularly odd. Uh, that and, thing. yeah, and it just sort of went on and on, wasn't it? About the yeah. Fact. And no, then, just when you thought this chapter cannot get any more odder, you get onto the cat. Yes. And cats are really the real rulers of the earth. Now he's he's taken that I, I think basically straight out of Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, where where mice are, yeah. the, are the intelligent sort of people on Earth. So, um, or intelligent beings on Earth, I should say. Yeah, that, that and it was never referred to again. No, it was it was yeah, it was the it, nobody knew that the, 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 the twins had been taken apart from the cat outside that had seen the spaceship and. It was this, this whole thing about the, the 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 cat guarding its little bit of the flower bed. Yeah, and he he sensed this, this territory. And yeah, and he sensed and he sensed the um the, the the freighter coming to Earth's orbit and and all that and. It, and long after the man was gone, the cats would still be there. Yeah, that that was weird. That was really weird. Um, but again, to me, not as weird as Edgeworth's. Backstory. Backstory. Or, yes. Or Asmal, as he should be, as he should be known. Because if you remember from the Twin Dilemma TV series, he's actually a Time Lord. He's not Professor Edgeworth at all. Yeah. Who, who, who in, in the, who in the uh, TV series, you just sort of think, oh, was he some sort of teacher to the Doctor And when you're watching the TV series? And the only other reference to their past meeting is, is the joy in the fountains, by the fountains and whatever. Yeah. When they both got drunk in a previous incarnation. Yeah. Now... In this um, <laughs> this version, though, Edgeworth was sort of he was like a, a renegade time lord, wasn't he? Like, like the, yes. a bit like the Doctor, uh, but he did return to Gallifrey because um, for some reasons I can't remember why. But he ends up murdering. Oh, they 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 they, they sent the time lord sent assassins after him. That was it. Seed took, warriors. That was it. Who took pleasure in killing a whole planet trying to get to him? Yeah. So then he went back to Gallifrey and murdered the entire High Council of Time Lords. Yes. It's I weird. was pardoned for it because the people that took over were pleased to be in power. Yeah. Uh, now, okay, I, I think that's probably... That is definitely Saywood's vision of the Time Lords and that, that really sort of came up in the 80s where there was sort of like... corrupt. Every time you went back to the Time Lords, there was always a corrupt Time Lord in the High Council. And this does nothing to change that, does it? No. It's just an odd view of the world we're getting here, aren't we? Where 
parents want to murder their children and every politician's, well, I don't know if every politician's corrupt is an odd view of the world, but yeah. certainly taking it to that level, isn't it? There's no good in the world, is what this is saying. This yeah, is saying. basically. Uh, a very, very bleak worldview, isn't it? <laughs> um, the, the only only good thing is there's plenty of drink. <laughs> yes, there is. I think, I think he was drinking quite a bit when he wrote this, actually. <laughs> yeah. There was definitely drink involved. It's just weird. It's just very, very strange. But even the weird story about the bloke who invented the revitalisation chamber. Yeah. And turned himself into a large bottle of drink, which his friends then consumed. I mean, it's... I, I, yeah, because he, t- he took a bottle of this this drink, which for the life of me, I can't remember what it was, because I'm trying to burn this out of my mind, to be honest, <laughs> this book. Um, yeah, he took the bottle in with him, and then, because that, that actually, that was quite a long way into the book, because you had the other thing with Edgeworth going to the revitalisation chamber. Yeah. Then you get backstory on the revitalisation like chamber. So it's not just giving backstory to characters, he's giving it to it inanimate was, objects as well. It was anything but actually tell the story that he had to tell, really, wasn't it? It was. <laughs> um, yeah, so he, he, he takes this bottle in, in with him, and then turns into a gigantic bottle of, of booze, then the students he was partying with, then decide to drink him. Join him, yes. Um, yeah, that is just... I mean, I'm sorry, he must have had directly putting his nightmares onto paper here. Yeah. Because it doesn't make any sense at all. It makes no... It contributes nothing to the plot. That is, it's, it's this... So far, what we described it, it's, it's bloody awful. <laughs> it really is. I mean, normally we would turn around and say, I mean, the whole point of this was, oh, I wonder if by reading the books you get any backstories there. And this was like, actually, no, I'm backing away from this now. Yeah, just, yeah. Just give you an exact replica of the, the TV show. Please. Yeah, um, because everyone's backstory in this, it's either violent, depressing, or there's absolutely no point whatsoever. Yes. Or all three, actually. All More three. Than not. Yeah. Um now the I was hoping maybe the doctor's regeneration would be handled better. Uh and no, there's still the bit with him trying to strangle strangle Perry, but in this he does nearly kill her. Yeah. And again, that is that is Sayward's death wish yeah. coming through yet again. Uh yeah, I mean, I mean Perry's at the point of croaking it basically until she she doesn't actually because in the in the TV show, she just holds the mirror up to the Doctor's face, and he just sees it and, and scuttles across the floor screaming. Uh, but in this, she was trying to smash it over his head to, to save her own life, wasn't she? Yeah, she was trying to break it, actually, to get a yeah. bit of glass yeah, to, to stab him with. Yeah, uh, so completely different. Yeah. Completely different, and again, more violent. Yeah. So I don't know if there's something that... Um, he thought, well, I can't get away with that on the on the show, but I, you know, I've finally been given free reign to write about this. So, and then he goes into um, some weird, convoluted thing about uh, how the regeneration process works as well. Yeah. And to cut a long story short, it's no better than George Lucas's uh, um, explanation for the Force in the Phantom huh. Menace. It's the same thing, isn't it? Yeah. He's like he's I can't what the name of these cells get. Sort of like kick, like kicking, and they start the regeneration process. It's like the midi chlorian thing, and it was utter twaddle. <laughs> it's one of those things where you just don't really want to explain it. You don't need to explain it. We just accept it. Yeah, exactly. But he, he felt the needs that he had to, you know, he had to explain this one. Um, again, I don't know why. I really don't know why. Maybe, I mean, maybe at least at least he didn't give us all the the in the in the 
basically the wardrobe room or whatever you want to call it. At least <laughs> yeah. we didn't get that in the book. That's true. You just sort of you then get the bit. The next bit is you actually get him just walking back through into the console room with Perry, and she's moaning about the coat. Yeah, you, you and that's it. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, there's nothing else to it. Uh other bits he missed out, which was, which was odd, really, was mm. the when they're on Chaconda, where mm. the person's been caught stealing food and is killed. Yes, that was totally missed, missed off. And he thought, no, that was a that, that was an opportunity to have a bit of blood and guts for you. Yeah, and he totally just cut that scene. He did, and there's also because the Chamberlain doesn't turn up until right right the... at the end when he's bribing somebody. And really, it's like the last couple of pages as well, isn't it? Yeah, and that that's and it's almost as if he sort of forgot about that character. And I thought, oh bugger, I better put him in at the end. Yeah. For no discernible reason, as it turns out, because it doesn't make no. any sense. No, it's all of a sudden, and you thought you know that a, a Chamberlain would be quite an important character. Yeah, but he's completely because they've cut that scene, which was the scene where he where he was most yeah involved. Um, yeah, he doesn't turn up. I mean, nobody really, nothing really happens that much on Jaconda, does it? It doesn't. Um, That's he, every, the whole main, main part of this story says they've just been cut to the last uh, chapter. Well, there's another thing as well, which I, the only thing I was glad that he cut, actually, is the bit where the Doctor, um, in the TV version, where he cowers behind uh, Perry in the t- in the tunnels on Jaconda. Yeah. Saying, like, you know, kill her, not me, sort of thing. That's completely erased. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I'm kind of glad about that, because... He does try to. The only sort of, I said the only, to me the only good bit about this book, is that he goes through all the sort of personality changes that the Doctor's having because they still keep the thing about he wants to go to Titan Three to become a hermit. Um, yeah. So he keeps that bit in again. Which again, I even I always found that a very strange, strange thing anyway. Um, but then he goes through these different sort of personalities. The Doctor's trying to sort of trying to adjust to one. It's like a hero. Then he's like. A lot like a Sherlock Holmes character. Then yeah. he's so he goes through his different sort of personality changes, and I, I I quite like that. I quite like what what he's trying to describe there, um, and I think that's what they tried to do in the TV version. But then of course, then it just went back to him carrying behind Perry, which which made no sense. Yeah, because he'd gone so far down the road, they went back again. Yeah, so it didn't make any any sense. So I'm glad he cut that bit. To be honest, I'm glad he cut that. But apart I mean, once from that, he got like, such a condor, he was pretty stable by then, wasn't he? He was really, yeah. Um, you got the Hugo Lang character as well, which in the book, I mean, again, he can't resist it. He makes him sort of conniving. Yeah, I mean, he was the straightforward hero type in the on yeah. TV, wasn't he? And in this, he's, he's like such a shifty. He's, he's he's only interested in power. He doesn't like flying. No, he just he just wants uh, the money. He wants the yeah. reward for bringing the twins back. Uh, it, again, and the fame. And, the fame and, he, and, it, yeah. and it goes on to how he might even have his own chat show. Yeah, which is the ultimate accolade. Yes. Apparently in the future. You're fat and have your own chat show. Jonathan Ross has achieved that now. <laughs> he, he, he's our leader. <laughs> We're all screwed then, mate. <laughs> oh, dear. no, that was... Um, that that was peculiar. I don't know why he just seemed to <laughs> he seemed to want to um, take every character and make them an utter bastard. And I think the only one in this story who isn't is Perry. Yeah. 
But even then, he still doesn't. She's still very one-dimensional. Yeah, and, so, and, so. and I think he makes even more of a, of a, a, a sort of cowering in the corner and crying sort of character in this because I was I was found I mean, in the TV show I was found Perry went through some awful awful things. It all seems like I mean, Saywood obviously that time was the script editor anyway, and I think he, he just seemed to have this sort of thing for sort of putting her through so many sort of it was like the, the like the perils of perils of Pauline, wasn't it, with with Perry all the time. So it was. I think he wanted her to be sort of like the, the damsel tied to the railway track a yeah, lot of the time. Yeah, good, good description of her, yeah. Yeah. So I think in this, he, he makes he doesn't sort of completely go down that route, but he does make a, a bit more of sort of crying a lot more and, and worrying a lot, and I, which never... Okay, I know in a book you're supposed to give people you sort of, people's thought processes and what's going on in their minds a lot more than you can do in a TV, uh, TV show, but... Again, it still didn't really work. No, and I mean, to a certain extent, you could say because obviously, in this story, more than anything, she has nobody she can rely on. No, I mean, normally the the one thing the doctor's companion has got is the doctor. Yeah, but this is the one story probably where that could even be a fear to them. Yeah, it, it, so I can understand so to a certain extent in this one. Yeah, but he just seems to make it worse more than anything else. But yeah, I, I don't know. To me, it just didn't. Um, it didn't really sort of work for me. I think the other, actually, I think the only thing that did sort of work well was Mestor. Yeah, the villain of the piece. I, I did like his uh, his description of him. He said sort of, he was sort of, obviously he's like a slug like uh, creature. But I did like the, the the thing that he said. There was like a when it comes to describing his face. Now in the in the TV show, he looked like a little little cuddly owl, didn't he? Yeah, <laughs> Nesta. Uh, but in this is it's like a, a it was also like a human face behind a membrane, which I, I I if you sort of think about that, it's actually quite a disgusting image. Yeah, and it goes on to say about the fact that people when they first saw him used to think that he'd actually swallowed somebody. Yeah, and that was the remains. And it also goes on about the smell that he gives off. Yeah, yeah, they, they did go into the smell quite a lot, didn't they? They did. Book. Uh, and also the sort of like his little, um, so he sort of developed little arms and legs. Well, he just made him, he made, he wrote him repulsive. Yeah, that's the only way. And I think for a, someone, if you're going to do a giant slug, you've got to describe it as repulsive. Yeah, uh, not like a big cross between a slug and an owl, which is what we was what we got in the TV show. Yeah. But um, but the, actually, the other thing I did like as well was the whole thing about the Jacondon. Architecture, the buildings and stuff, which Edgeworth or Asmol, as we should call him, sort of lamented the fact that sort of Mestor had uh, sort of destroyed that, believing these sort of like mucus everywhere. Yeah, and and all the all the sort of like the lovely artwork that had been ruined by this sort of like years of build up of this hardened mucus. That and the fact that the he'd had was it condi- air conditioning put into. Keep the room stuck damp, which was ruining the tapestries and all that. Oh, it's like uh, humidifiers, wasn't it? It's yeah, like it's water being not humidifiers, but it's like water being sprayed into the room. Yeah, to keep it moist. Yeah, I, I did like that. I did I, that, but that sort of thing that works. That, that actually, was just descriptive of of the scenes that was being take, t- was taking place. Exactly. Yeah, it, it was it, just it, yes. Such some of it was just the odd stuff though that was thrown in for. No apparent reason than just you just got the feeling that he had this idea of a really odd story and odd yeah. idea and wanted to pin it somewhere. Yeah, that was it really, wasn't it? 
that was it. It, it was just peculiar. It was really was peculiar. I'm trying to think of some of the more odd, the odd backstories. I think I think we've covered the uh, we've covered the good ones anyway. Yeah, no, I, th- I think that's pretty much it. I think, but yeah, it's just I think so. But even right at the end, when because uh, in the TV version, Hugo Lang wants to stay behind Jaconda to help rebuild it. But in the book version, he wants to stay behind so because he's got ideas of becoming president. Well, I, well, the Doctor thinks it's, he's got ideas about being president, and he's going to try and do it. And then, actually, when it goes, when you when you see what his thought process is, Hugo Lang's thought process is, he's after the Chamberlain's ten million, whatever it is. Yeah, he he wants to basically act like a bodyguard. Yeah, really, because the only thing he was good at was was, was his gun. Yeah, he's just thinking, no, this person will if this person will pay to get off the to get off the planet, they'll pay me to protect him. Yeah, that was all. That was all that was about, really, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's it, it, totally from from the whole from the TV series. He is this complete hero figure. Yeah, Hugo Lang. You know, it's nothing in it. It's just working for the intergalactic task force, and is there his only fault is the is safety of the twins and bringing them back and for their own safety. Yeah, basically. And then this book is just so not, is it? It's just <laughs> totally <laughs> twisted into me. Well, I, I think out of all the. The, the the target novels we've covered so far on the podcast, I think I, I I've always said although I, I, to, until I read this, my least favourite one was the Tenth Planet because again I didn't feel that added anything to the story. This takes stuff out of the story and adds nothing back into it again. Well, just yeah, just adds superfluous stuff. But... Yeah, that makes absolutely no sense. Like you know, <laughs> just, it just gets you sitting there going, what? <laughs> Because when we met out for a um, a, a pre New Year uh, drink, didn't we? And because yeah. um, I'd, I'd read the first chapter by then, I, I said, "Well, just read the first chapter, and you know exactly where this book is going." <laughs> and it was all there. It was all there. It, it was. It was just Saywood. If it was all the way through this book, wasn't it? It was. It, yeah. was, it was so him. This book is so him. But at the end of the day, though, Paul, could you recommend this to anybody? <laughs> um. Oh, not not really, to be honest. But only, only if you want something that's odd. <laughs> yeah, and it is odd. Yeah, it is very very odd. Uh, just from the point of view of the the weird backstories for, for you, just about everything, really. I'd almost recommend you read the first chapter. Yeah, if you can get through the first chapter and think, just just, just, just to see how. Yeah, yeah if, if that piques your interest is. at all, then. <laughs> Then I think you might make it through the rest of the book, but um, as I said, it's a short book. Um, I found it a bit of a slog, uh, to be fair, because it, to it, a certain it, extent because it's not actually because uh, it's not there's no pace to this book. No, it's that's, well, there's no pace to the story. To be no, honest, the, the twin dilemmas and, 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 and the, the other little yeah um, spin-offs he gives it doesn't really help that at all. Anyway. No, it doesn't. I mean, because you find yourself reading five pages on. As we said on on the, the inventor of the revitalization machine, <laughs> Mystic Mog the cat, wasn't it? So, yeah. But yeah, it was. Um, yeah, it would. It it doesn't add anything. I I you know the twin dilemma is an awful story anyway, and this does nothing to make it any better. Yeah, to be honest, and I must admit this is the first novelization I've read of Eric Saywood's, and I must admit I'm a little bit disappointed. Um. Yeah, to a certain extent. I mean, there, there was. The, I mean, I'd say I wouldn't recommend it to anybody. There's some um, hilarious stuff in this, 
which isn't meant to be funny. Yes. It's just hilarious in the fact that it's so awful. Yeah. To be honest, it really is. Pretty much like the TV show (laughs) version of this. You know, that is is spectacularly bad. And uh, so is this, really. Yes, for different ways. Yeah, indeed. It's almost like one of those so bad it's good yeah, sort of story. It, I think that's the only way I can sort of describe so odd, it. I think. It's yeah, odd. So bad it's odd. I yeah, think it's that's odder. it. That's our review of this book. <laughs> so bad it's odd. There we are. I think we'll, I think we'll, we'll leave that there, shall we? <laughs> yes, I think so. Okay, then. Right, well... Uh, what are we going to be doing next week then? I think we're going to go back to Big Finish, aren't we? If you survive, if, if Paul's still alive next week, uh, there might be a new co-host on the show. You never know. <laughs> um, yes, next week uh, we're going to go back to Big Finish, which we haven't done for a long time, have we? No. Well, not not in a, a normal story. A normal storyline, didn't we? Yeah. Actually, because the one because one thing obviously because all the audio stuff we've been covering has been the Destiny of the Doctor, which was released through Audio Go. Uh, mm. Now, I think, obviously, Big Finish were covering them as well. They were releasing the, the Destiny of the Doctor on their website in, in conjunction. So I, I suppose you could say it's... Uh, we had we sort of, had, sort of had been doing Big Finish every month last year, haven't we, to, to a certain degree? Yeah. Because they had been producing the Destiny of the We've been doing audio stuff, but not necessarily yeah. of, of what That's is it. Now, I think, I, I, did we mention um, Random House... At all. We no, we didn't. We, we no. didn't, did we? Um, we should have brought this up in the news, to be honest. No, what we, everyone else has been covered, and we didn't, basically, because we forgot, was that Audio Go, who were releasing a lot of, well, all the BBC uh, audio releases, have uh, now been, sort of, it's all been bought, taken up by a company called Random House. Yes. So, if there's any more, sort of like, the, like I don't know what they were, sort of like, it's more like the re-book readings of uh, these, uh, of Doctor Who stories, that they'll be They'll be back available to buy now. We presume. Yeah, along with all the other stuff, because you were looking at, um, I'm sorry, I haven't a clue, and stuff like that, weren't you? Yeah, some of the, the classic radio output from the BBC yeah. seems to have been Audio Go that obviously disappeared when Audio Go went. But hopefully, that is also going to be part of the yeah, Random all, House yeah, deal. All coming back as well. All coming back. So, obviously, w- what big finish story are we covering next week? And as we keep banging on about the fact we haven't covered any of the new uh, Tom Baker stories yet, so that's what we're going to do. And we're going to do Energy of the Daleks. Yes. There we are. So that's uh, to come next week. And we're hoping at some point we'll get a a commentary out soon as well. Yeah. We've we've picked the story. We've picked the story. So uh, we've just got to figure out when we're going to get time to all get together. And, uh, of course, that means uh, Tony coming back to the show. Uh, so, yeah, we don't know when we're going to do that. Hopefully this month, if we can. If we can. If we can. If we can. If we're alive, <laughs> it seems. Oh. <laughs> yes, otherwise there's going to be you, Tony, and the new co-host. <laughs> doing that one. Okay, then. Right, so that's that then. So for another week, it is goodbye from me, Phil. And goodbye from me, Paul. Goodbye.
were listening to the Who's He podcast. Please visit our website at who's-he-podcast.co.uk. You can also follow us on Twitter at who's underscore he underscore podcast. And please also join the Who's He podcast Facebook group. The Who's He podcast is a member of the Doctor Who Podcast Alliance. Mm-hmm.